I can see your point. All right, that's all for us. It's this is WCBN Sports 88.3 FM. Catch us tomorrow at 6 to 6:30 on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. Thank you for listening. Uh, for Teddy Gutkin, Nick Hornberg, and Alex Shee, I'm Jack Molino, WCBN Sports. Welcome to Gray Matters, your weekly current events, political commentary, and media analysis program. My name is Jim Dwyer, and I'll add to the final comments of the sports broadcast there that uh, one of the many things that University of Michigan offers is student uh, access to uh, broadcast affiliation with uh, WCBN, the Campus Broadcasting Network. Long tradition here at U of M with uh, community involvement and support. Students, some of whom uh, have advanced through to uh, careers in this field. Well, it is uh, very summer-like weather out uh, of late, but we are clearly well into football season and therefore fall in the academic calendar. And G. Willikers, it looks like only eight weeks out from the midterm elections of November 2018. And, uh, of course, the big story today is the uh, allegations against uh, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of a you know, an, an attack on a sexual assault 30 some years ago. And uh, I'll have some comments and observations about that. Clearly, the Republican attempt to just rush this nomination through has met with a final obstacle. We'll see uh, how this obstacle is handled. And of course, there will be political consequences for the way in which it is handled. If they continue to rush through, there's likely to be a cost for that. But before we get to some comments on that, which is the biggest story of the day, I just want to quickly uh, flip through some highlights and lowlights, if you will, from uh, the last week of news in the news. And of course, as we talk on and off on Gray Matters, uh, Dick Whaley, by the way, uh, will, will not be joining me on the program tonight. He's got some uh, family matters to attend to and will return in a couple of weeks' time. So I'll be holding forth solo and augmenting the monologue with a few short musical breaks along the way, just as a sort of aural audio palate cleanser. Uh, but as longtime listeners are no doubt aware, we have been talking about the U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan for many years because, well, the U.S. has been involved militarily in Afghanistan for many years, many, many, many years really ultimately going back to uh, the Reagan administration's uh, sort of mercenary use of 
uh, Islamic fundamentalists, uh, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan back in the 80s to uh, work against Soviet political control in that era of that very troubled region. Uh, but it's just been another week of uh, disastrous news out of Afghanistan. Nothing new or surprising there, but uh, the attacks appear to be coordinated. They appear to be focused on uh, police officers, uh, military personnel, and peaceful protesters, uh, as well as uh, schools for midwives. Um, dozens and dozens of people killed uh, in a combination of uh, 57 police officers killed uh, in these two attacks. There were you know, more reported the next day. That was the attack on the peaceful protesters uh, who were just looking to draw some attention to a corrupt political appointee. Uh, you wonder when, oh, when will we finally realize it's an irredeemable situation and just withdraw? I mean, you need to look at a map of Af Afghanistan and it, you almost need a three-dimensional map because uh, each side of each hill is essentially uh, almost different groupings uh, linguistically, uh, ethnically. It's a country sort of by accident or default. It isn't really a traditional or conventional sovereign state in any sense of the word. And any attempt to bring order there, uh, so far going back to uh, the British imperialists and the charge of the Light Brigade, is a doomed enterprise. Uh, Kyber Pass, anyone? Well, when that uh, happy day will dawn, when we... Uh, cease our involvement in Afghanistan. I I just hope I'm here to see it. Uh, sadly, also last week, uh, just shocking, really nauseating news from Dallas. I hate to call it a WTF moment. It's more like a AYFKM moment. Are you blanking kidding me? When a young man named Botham Jean is murdered in his own home, sitting there on his own couch, talking with friends on the phone, watching some football on TV. When an off-duty police officer busts in, apparently, according to her first story, uh, mistakenly under the assumption that she was approaching her own apartment, although there appear to be several indicators uh, externally that it was not. And she shoots the guy, thinking, he's what's he doing in my apartment? Well, <laughs> there's a whole host of issues and problems with her story, the fact that she was allowed to go to sleep in her own bed that night instead of uh, being escorted away from the crime scene uh, and spending the night in jail as anyone else who had shot somebody down in cold blood as they sat peacefully in their own home. You wonder, what the heck is she on? Uh, how is this going to play out? And it's just another example of this sort of out-of-control privileging of white fear that uh, has sort of been built into the, you know, judicial system, the police system in this country. Uh, it's a serious, serious problem. There are, of course, some Americans who take issue with the Black Lives Matter protest that, well, they should be saying that all lives matter, but the fact that you have to say it as Black Lives Matter, I mean, obviously, everyone would agree, all lives matter. But the fact that time and time again, 
the police in particular uh, and the judicial system in general are allowed to behave as though black lives don't matter is why people have to articulate it this way. And so it's one of those shoulder shrugging. Well, here's another one moments where uh, they just they're endless. They're relentless. And of course, any honest you know, opinionator on uh, the context of the history of this sort of incident in American life uh, has to admit that, well, sadly, this sort of thing has gone on all the time for all these years. How and what can we do anything about this? It's going to require getting the right people in offices, in positions of authority to... uh, get some attempts to uh, alleviate this ongoing situation. Education is not going to be enough. Incarcerating this one officer is not going to be enough. And, you know, you don't want to paint all officers with the same brush. Obviously, there are many fine ones. But the fact that this continues on such a regular basis is beyond shocking. Um, It's just mind-numbing. Well, from one mind-numbing thing to another, uh, the Brain Damage Award of the Week goes to the 9-11 double fist pump. Mm, Yeah! That uh, the president did with, you know, the lip-biting rock and roll move as he sees not a group of solemn mourners at a 9-11 commemoration uh, in Pennsylvania where passengers on a you know, hostage-taken flight, uh, successfully fought off the uh, terrorists, uh, sadly, of course, leading to the crash of that plane and the death of all passengers. Um, But at least it was not allowed, the plane was not allowed to complete its mission, which was to double back and hit another building. It's a a pretty solemn occasion to acknowledge this horrific event in uh, living memory uh, of our nation's history. Um. And yet when the president sees the crowd assembled, he doesn't think of the solemnity of the moment and the the great sadness that should be reflected in one's demeanor. He sees a crowd. I like a crowd. Yeah. And he does the double fist pump and the lip bite sort of a. Yeah, I'm in my element now. Um, It's a new low, a new low. And uh, I have a friend who has sort of turned a page and he's like, well, you know, I used to be shocked and horrified with each new low. And now I'm kind of impressed that this guy continues to top himself with new lows. It's on one level, it is kind of entertaining, but it's pretty exhausting on most other levels. Uh, and when you pair this with still more shocking, disturbing and uh Really kind of horrifying news from last week. It's reported in Thursday's New York Times, uh, September 13th, that the number of detained children taken from parents at the border has increased fivefold since May of 2017, when only 2,400 were in custody. Now, of course, it's the official Trump administration policy to separate children from families as groups of refugees from various Central and South American countries with political and economic instability, in some cases historically developed and fostered by previous American uh, uh, administrations. 
uh, primarily Republican. I'm looking at you, Ronald Reagan, um, or you, Henry Kissinger and Dick Nixon. Uh, this new policy of separating children from families has led to the incarceration of, get this, 12,800 children detained separately from their parents, guardians, families. And uh, that was, of course, uh, back in June when that story was first emerging as the numbers began to tick up was a sort of a great moment of national awakening. Like, hey, what the heck? And it was at that moment that we began to see uh, women uh, who had voted for Trump begin to turn against him a little bit. Um, this increase in the numbers just shows that that has been ongoing. Um, the bizarre little arrival of a friendly letter from Kim Jong-un to the desk of uh, the president who responded, oh, what a nice letter. I hope to see you again soon. Signed, your friend from summer camp, big magic marker writing Donald J. Trump. Well, we'll see if uh, he ever gets the opportunity to have another uh, play date with Kim Jong-un, who has apparently learned the lesson of Israel, Pakistan, and India to just be quiet about your nuclear program. Stop shooting off test missiles. Stop doing underground tests and just continue to develop it quietly while you allow the lunatic in the White House to uh, continue to delude himself that you're pals and that you're going to denuclearize. Um, the degree of naivete and utter lack of experience there on the president's part. Uh, must be very frustrating for those who work around and with him who have some degree of knowledge or expertise. But, you know, he's a trusting guy. He wants to trust Kim Jong-un. They're pals. Uh, he's a trusting guy. He wants to trust Vladimir Putin. They're pals, or he would desperately love them to be pals. Putin, by the way, this last week has announced that, oh, those two guys arrested in Britain uh, who are accused of uh, poisoning the Russian uh, dissident who has uh, left the spy orbit of uh, Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, and Putin says, oh, hey, they're not criminals. They're just civilians who were tourists who happened to be traveling with some poison, apparently. Uh, but if Putin says it's OK, well, heck, we should just believe him because he's a great guy and he likes to ride a horse. And by the way, he's picked up the reality TV show bug. I didn't get to mention this last week. But it's being reported that uh, 3CP1, which is an old SCTV joke, uh, I forget what the actual name of the uh, Russian television network is that's featuring this program with the simple yet bold title, Moscow, Kremlin, Putin. It's, uh, it's kind of a reality show where you get to see uh, Putin out in the woods, you know, gathering nuts and berries, hunting for bear. I'm surprised Ted Nugent hasn't shown up on it yet. Um, showing he's a man of the people. There are interviews with Putin by teenagers on issues of the day. You know, thinking, oh, yeah, that Bill Clinton interview on MTV was really good for him. Let's get some Russian teens to interview me. I don't know if there's a teen beat scene in... Uh, Moscow, but uh, all of the young singers will be pushed aside by the fabulous pecs of the shirtless Putin 
on the cover of those magazines. One Russian journalist calls this TV program, quote, a new genre of tele-icon painting and says that, well, obviously most Russians are not going to accept such narrative at face value. Uh, and that's important to remember that, you know, not everybody over there believes this crap. Um, this is maybe even for not for their entertainment, but for outside consumption, ultimately. Uh <laughs> Uh, one friend and supporter of Putin, and aren't we all, uh, whose name I don't have here associated with this quote, but it's from the uh, article last week's New York Times. Um, Bears aren't idiots. If they see Putin, they will behave properly, which I don't know what that means to like run and hide or roll over and play dead. Or since the bear is the sort of symbol of Russia, Having Putin hunt for bears, isn't that kind of like uh, the president of the United States going out on an eagle shoot? I don't know. Uh, maybe bears aren't endangered in any way over there. Although I suspect if Putin is anywhere around, anybody is in danger there. Uh, also, amusement from the news this last week. Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. Fortunately, and still stinks, by the way, I would parenthetically add. But he has been exhumed from the so-called Valley of the Fallen, a, a gargantuan monument to those who have fallen for Spain and God, in Franco's words, uh, built by uh, slave labor, basically, and meant to be a place of honor for those uh, fascists who overthrew the uh, elected government of Republican Spain. By the way, uh, vic Republican victims of that civil war are included in the Valley of Fallen, but they're just sort of dumped into a mass grave anonymously. And since, you know, the, the very edifice itself was built with prison labor, uh, those were also, you know, prisoners from that era. And so therefore, uh, Republican, that is democratically elected uh, representative government, not American capital R Republican. Uh, so what will become ultimately of Franco? I think they could just put him in a garbage bag and set him out by the curb, quite frankly. Um, although there are still some who like to swing by the old Valley of the Fallen and whip out the fascist salute for Franco. You can do that just as easily at the garbage dump. It's uh, too early to really have much to say about what the long-term uh, devastating consequences of the ongoing flooding throughout the Carolinas is going to be clearly in a country where infrastructure has been uh, neglected, allowed to atrophy for many, many decades now. This is just more bad news. Uh, some of these cities might have to be permanently abandoned. Uh, Lumberton, North Carolina, I think, was uh, affected very badly by a flood two years ago. Here it is yet again. Um, the cost of rebuilding. Uh, in some places, water mains themselves have been destroyed as levees and dams have buckled and collapsed. Uh, and, of course, it's too soon to tell what the degree of toxicity uh, pig farms, uh, chemical sites, uh, Superfund sites many, many of them in the area, and where those horrible 
elements end up? Well, they end up everywhere. In fact, I know it's the dinner hour, but this statistic, though startling, merits reading here, if I can find this. It's like I'll have to come back to that about the uh, quantities of uh, toxicity there. Uh, let's take a quick little musical interlude, and uh, we'll be back with more of Gray Matters in just a moment. My name is Jim Dwyer, and this is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Found that statistic here regarding the quantity of pigs and pig waste in the Carolinas. Um, 9.7 million pigs producing almost 10 billion gallons of manure annually. Quote, it's 500 times the waste produced by the entire population of Washington, D.C., said Alexis Andyman, associate attorney with Earth Justice, a nonprofit environmental law firm that has sued the state over its handling of animal waste. Uh, while it's too late to do much of anything about this now, the idea that more than 500 times the waste produced by the entire population of Washington, D.C. is floating around gives you some idea of the degree of awfulness uh, currently being endured by our fellow Americans who live in this afflicted region. Uh, on a similar note, but also just as dirty in a different way, uh, Jared Kushner, uh, in his great expertise and wisdom uh, in negotiating a Middle Eastern peace, has decided that punishing the Palestinian people will enhance the peace process. Uh, it's eliminating the final sources of aid for Palestinian civilians. Uh, some of these are providing some of the only glimmers of hope. And in fact, one of them is a, a program that funds uh, sports programs for kids in schools. And this is all any parent wants is for their kid to be able to safely go to school, uh, to have some fun with friends and develop some skills. Uh, and this program to encourage the development of girls soccer teams so that Palestinian girls can play games with Israeli girls, uh, that's how can you be against that? I mean, I know you want to do Likud's bidding as fully and extensively as you can, Kushner, but come on, this is just mean spiritedness. And to openly say that you're going to increase the odds of getting a peace deal by punishing 
the occupied people, really, that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But we'll see more uh, of that in the future as well. Uh, well, let's quickly comment on some of the recent uh, developments regarding the uh, Kavanaugh nomination. Of course, over the weekend, allegations emerged that a woman who at the time was anonymous had claimed that she had been sexually assaulted or that there had been an attempt at a sexual assault on her by Brett Kavanaugh and one of his high school chums at a party back in the 80s when uh, both were students at Georgetown Prep, uh, private school, elite, very expensive uh, school north of uh, Washington, D.C. and Bethesda. And interestingly, the other person who's said to be uh, in this situation is a guy named Mike Judge. And there's an interesting article in today's Washington Post by Avi Selk, which I would encourage listeners to dig up and read. It's called What the Man of Accused of Helping Kavanaugh Assault a Woman Wrote About Female Sexuality. And what he wrote, because he wrote a couple of memoirs, apparently, what he wrote about his own days as a heavy drinker and partier back in high school, I think really complicate Kavanaugh's prospects of emerging from this uh, 11th hour obstacle uh, unblemished. <laughs> to use Trump's word. Now, of course, uh, Mitch McConnell this afternoon stood up in the Senate and called this uh, late 11th hour obstacle a dirty trick against Kavanaugh. A dirty trick, eh, Mitch? Well, boo-hoo. Uh, you're the one who refused to allow Barack Obama's nominee to fill the Scalia seat to even have a hearing. Mitch McConnell is the one who said, you know what? Uh, even though it's our duty to hear and to, you know, interview this individual that the president who has the right to nominate this individual, uh, we're, we're going to neglect our duty here and let the American people decide. Remember, that's what Mitch McConnell said. Let's let the American people decide and we'll see who they pick for president in the next election. And then that person gets to pick the next Supreme Court justice. Well, that was Neil Gorsuch. And now here we are again. But now Mitch McConnell, who could easily apply the same standard that he did then to the current situation. Oh, there's an election coming up. Gee, Mitch, why don't we let the American people decide? And let's not try to rush anybody through until after the American people have spoken in the upcoming elections. Eight weeks away. By the way, are you registered to vote? Have you registered to vote? Make sure that you and all your friends and family have registered to vote, uh, especially if you're a college student. This can be quite difficult. You might need to make an arrangement for an absentee ballot or to actually change the address of where you are legally allowed to vote because of the restrictionary measures that certain state governments, including the state of Michigan, sadly, have taken to make it difficult for college students to vote. And that's a whole other sad story in and of itself. But... Uh, you know, I don't want to actually physically cause Mitch McConnell any harm. I'm not a violent man, but I, I don't want to hit him, say, for example. But I, there are moments where I would like to shake him vigorously side to side until his jowls flap back and forth uh, until he gets to the point where they're knocking him upside the head and I can stay. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Well, 
27 years ago, uh, Professor Anita Hill came forward with her complaints of sexual harassment against then-Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas. And the way things played out then were pretty much more of the same. Oh, uh, you can't trust the woman. He's a good guy. He wouldn't do that. Well, things are pretty different this time around. There's been a number of recontextualizers here. And uh, I think Kavanaugh is also in trouble because he's kind of switched his story a little bit. His first retort to this allegation was, I did no such thing to her or any person. Well, now this afternoon, the story has changed to, I wasn't at that party. Well, I don't even know if it's been ascertained which party that was. And according to Mike Judge, his old high school chum's memoir, they did some heavy drinking, uh, like out-of-control drinking. And it's funny because Avi Selk's article says, um, I'll just read here from it, uh, both men have denied the accusation. Uh, Judge subsequently told the New York Times that not only did he never see a sexual assault, but that such behavior would be wildly out of character for the Catholic-raised and educated boys who went to Georgetown Prep in the early 80s. They were such good boys. Well... Come on. Uh, that's not really a very sound defense. Uh, and you'll have to look at Selk's article for the details from the memoirs that uh, refer to such things as drinking themselves into stupors, a character named Bart O'Kavanaugh who passes out drunk and throws up in a car. Well... Let Mike Judge's words speak for themselves. Let's hear, as Senator Susan Collins is calling for this evening, let's hear from both individuals under sworn testimony what happened. And let's see how this plays out. Let's investigate. Uh, Senator Orrin Hatch's bizarre assertions from yesteryear that this woman is confused. Kavanaugh is a fine man. He, he could have done no such thing. Well, if he was a binge drinker back in the day, he very well might have. We don't know. But wouldn't you like to know? Shouldn't we find out? This is, after all, a lifetime appointment to the nation's highest court. You know, before this story emerged, if I'd been given a chance to ask a question uh, of nominee Kavanaugh, I would have said, you sure you really want to do this? You want to be this guy? I mean, we don't really even know why Kennedy retired as suddenly as he did. I still think there's some red flags there, and we may eventually find out more if Robert Mueller's investigation pursues any of the details involving uh, Anthony Kennedy's son, who worked for Deutsche Bank, who helped negotiate loans for one Donald J. Trump, don't call me David Dennison, uh, back when no other banks would loan him money. Oh, except for Russian money launderers. Uh, so I smell a big fat rat there. I suspect that some in the FBI might as well. And we don't know yet whether that line is being uh, pursued or contemplated, but I'll bet it is. Uh, it certainly seems like something that could be big stinking rat there, uh, a sudden resignation, a, hey, we're going to appoint a guy you like to fill your seat, um, kind of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink moment right there. 
And let's do it quick before the midterms because it might be too late after. Well, it might already be too late, but we 